0: All right, welcome to the latest episode of Insights with AMSI. My name is Paige Susie, the Community Director over at AMSI, and I'll be your host today. Tonight we have a special guest. Her name is Caitlin Waters, and she is the Marketing and Communications Manager over at Reese's Dental and Braces, as well as the City Director at House of Genius Phoenix. And she's also
1: incredibly involved with all things YesPHX. Welcome, Caitlin. Hi, Paige. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So um, for those that don't know, Caitlin or myself, we're actually pretty good friends, so that just adds a bonus to this whole situation. Um, So I know a lot about your background, but how did you end up coming to Phoenix for those that don't know?
1: So um, I'm originally from New York. I went to college in Buffalo, and when I um was going through school, I was majoring in journalism, and loved um, writing and reporting and interviewing. Um, but my senior year, I really got, um, my passion grew for using social media for that journalism aspect. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually wrote my uh, senior thesis paper on how mobile and social media were changing the way that news was distributed. And I took my first internship during my last semester with Habitat for Humanity Buffalo, where I basically ran their social media, um, kind of set the foundation for them of, and taught everyone that was, um, working for them how to do it and run, um, do email campaigns and just kind of fell in love with that. And after I graduated, I was offered an internship in Phoenix. My uncle was, um, an investor in a tech startup out here and said, why don't you come out here and, you know, take this social media internship (laughs) and, um, come out for a couple months. You know, if you hate it, you can go back after. Yeah. And, um, ended up being doing very well and and loving it, and after a couple of months, I actually got offered a full time job and and stayed out here. Um So, that was really my first exposure to the startup scene, mm-hmm. and my first real job per se, working um, and using social media and um, getting my first exposure to what marketing was at this B two B you know technology startup.
0: Awesome and. Um, I think it's important to note that when you say you came to Phoenix, you were actually in like the downtown area. You weren't on the outskirts. You were actually like between yeah. the sevens and all that fun stuff, as people qualify it.
1: Yes, I I moved into. I found a place on Craigslist. <laughs> um, it was a bed and breakfast that was gonna let. They were gonna let me rent one of their houses they had. Mm-hmm. And when I came out here, didn't know anyone. I was living. It was like right at Central and Camelback. And the startup at the time was right at um, like McKinley in Central. so it was mm-hmm. right downtown, right by Roosevelt in Central. Yep. so I would just take the light rail to and from and that's kind of where I became my love of downtown Phoenix came from. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, when you know only five years ago, there's been so much change since then. I ended up, you know, moving to Old Town for a couple years, just made the move back to downtown Phoenix. (laughs) And it's been awesome to see how it's developed from just the five, short five years that I've lived here. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I guess, what do you see in terms of the city in downtown? How do you see some differences just in the last five years? I know uh, some of our previous guests have been here a lot earlier than that. I know Mike was one of the first, it would seem. Um, And then I came down here for school about like 10 years ago. So what was it like about five years ago?
1: Well, there were definitely a lot fewer apartment buildings. (laughs) I think that's like the number one difference. There's also a lot more people, I would say. And I think people would still argue that, you know, for a downtown, it's still not very populated. Mm -hmm. But when i first moved here you know i was meeting friends through work engagements but they all lived in old town mm-hmm. and i was going to old town to like socialize because there was really nothing going on downtown there weren't a lot of events mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of really cool bars and restaurants so appealed to you know my early you know you know people in their early 20s mm-hmm. so i would say the biggest difference now is you know being down here and not wanting to go anywhere else to go <laughs> hang out you know i can yeah. work and play um in downtown Awesome.
0: And when was the first time that you had heard of YesPHX?
1: So my direct role at the startup I was working at, my title was community engagement specialist. But um, what I kind of forced myself into doing is trying to get the startup on the map. So getting um, the name out to the city and, and, and the local area, um, just to get Mm -hmm. involved with as many things as we can. So I started to try to sponsor events. I know you Mm -hmm. and I first met at, um, Phoenix or youth startup weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, four years ago. Um, just because I was, you know, I was doing all this stuff online, but I'm like, there's such a big opportunity for us to engage with other companies that are doing similar to what we're doing or in the same realm Mm -hmm. and how, you know, we can get involved and, and, um, yeah, so it was It was mostly just kind of forcing myself to do that, researching stuff that was going on, <laughs> going to a lot of events by myself as this 22-year-old or 23-year-old um, just passing the intern stage, <laughs> re- representing this, like, yeah. you know, big tech startup. Um, <clears throat> and I think it was kind of just... I don't remember the exact moment, but it was definitely, you know, after that Youth Startup Weekend when we started to sponsor a lot more events. I know we had hosted the after party for Digital Summit Phoenix, mm-hmm. and I was talking to um, a lot of some, um, some individuals that were in the startup community that started talking about this. That's kind of how I got introduced with Jonathan, Jonathan Cottrell. And um, when I, ironically enough, the month I left, this startup company and started where i am today at Reese's and embraces which is a little over 2 years now i remember getting an email from jonathan Guttrell that was like hey i have this crazy idea would you want to take over the social media for yes phx and help with marketing but, but really just take over social media cuz you know <laughs> i can't do it day to day and i think you'd be awesome at it and Um, bottom line, I was like, yes, absolutely. So Uh I remember the email title, like it was yesterday. It was like, yes, PHX is yours. And I literally was like, here's the passwords, like go (laughs) wild. So it was really fun to be able to have um, a lot of flexibility to be able to, um, start those channels up and just start, start to see some, or start to make some growth and change happen. But also a little bit selfishly, it was also a really great opportunity for me to be a lot more in the know with what's going on Mm -hmm. so you know participating in events I didn't know were going or happening and, and meeting people I didn't probably normally wouldn't have met um, without being involved in the the scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think your story sort of epitomizes the challenge that a lot of young and aspiring entrepreneurs have to deal with. And entrepreneurs are just people out of college, which is trying to figure out how to break into whatever scene it is that they're trying Mm -hmm. to break into. And, um, you did, you did it so, so well here and you're so ingrained now. So, um, for, you know, some of the people that may be more hesitant or not knowing where to start, where do you suggest starting to sort of do that?
1: So I have two really cliche quotes that I (laughs) live my life by. One of them my dad's been saying to me since I was probably, you know, just learning how to walk. Um, but one is um, not fearing what you haven't failed at and mm-hmm. nothing good happens in your comfort zone. So to me, moving out here, not knowing anyone, I really had to force myself to attend meetups and happy hours mm-hmm. and go by myself and go get dinner by myself and sit at the bar and talk to the bartender. <laughs> I just became like really in love with putting myself in those situations to force myself to to talk and and introduce myself. And I think that's that's played off a lot in, in this. I think that has really helped Kind um, of helped me to where I am today because I still enjoy doing that, and I like mm-hmm. being an advocate for other people to do that, especially people who are uncomfortable with you know going to stuff by themselves or introducing yeah. themselves or the people that usually hang out um, at a happy hour in the back mm-hmm. by themselves. So usually the first people I go to when I attend one just to introduce myself. And, <laughs> you are everyone's yeah.
0: worst nightmare. I, like, I know. No, no, no she's coming for <laughs> me. here. Oh God, I
1: heard about her. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Since you took over the SPHX social media, and I know um, there's some other people that sort of play a part in that, um, but what are, you know, it is all volunteer-based, but are there any proactive things that you're doing with the social media platforms to try to get more engagement or, you know, whatever, whatever the goal is? Are you, is there anything proactive that you're doing with those platforms and sort of that power...
1: I think one of the main things is growing our exposure to what we're trying to do at YesPHX, which is grow this ecosystem um, and and be supportive of all the startups and entrepreneurs that are growing their businesses and working at startups and, and, and businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Vincent Orlick, he helps um, uh, run the social media with me as well, and he could probably talk to this a lot more. but. There's a couple different silos we use or channels we use. You know, we have the Twitter, we have the hashtag on Twitter, and we have the Facebook page, but we have the Facebook group. And one of the main things is is trying to showcase PHX is not something that's like an organization. It's not something that's like an entity. It's really just kind of a, a... a channel for lack of a better word mm-hmm. or an umbrella that helps to connect everything that's happening here. Mm-hmm. So we like, I like to consider it as a resource for, um, connection and mm-hmm. su- support. Um, but one of the things that I've loved to see happening is trying to get yes, PHX in the conversation that's happening in other startup cities mm-hmm. so that to try to get us out in the mat. There's so many cool things happening right now. And, mm-hmm. um, I want to show other cities that are, you know, maybe just growing or that are already established that we're doing it here. Great example. This was at South Bay Southwest. Um, I went with Reese's Dental and Braces. But um, you know, on my spare time that I had after hours, I was putting YesPHX the hashtag on everything. So mm-hmm. I would try to go to a startup events, and I would go and meet, go to the trade show and meet the other cities that were representing their startup communities, and just talk to them about what YesPHX is doing. And so I hope, you know um, moving forward and, you know, the months and years to come is that we can be those, those cities that are, you know, representing ourselves at some of these, uh, major other conferences and events. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. I know we got to get out there. Yeah. (laughs) We got to get outside of our bubble. Um, changing topics just a little bit. I want to go back to your time at social world. Um, so what was your day to day, like what sort of systems were you using at the time? What was, the most commonly used sort of campaign or like what did social media and sort of that marketing, the digital marketing component look like at that time?
1: So when I came on, I'll be honest, for the per- first probably six to eight months, I wasn't even really sure what Social World did. And <laughs> I knew it was a software platform that was kind of in the realm of marketing. And my job was to get our name out there and help develop or help um, build the foundation for it. The social media presence, mm-hmm. and um, just stay up to date, up to date, and in tune with all of the different technology updates and uh, social media updates and functions. So that how we can integrate that with the platform, and how we can um, use the, that kind of news to better what we're doing at Social World. Mm-hmm. Um, and my day to day was really the management of the social media platforms. Um, I helped start up the um, email campaign. I, you know, the benefit of working in a startup really is especially, as an, you, you get a lot of flexibility to do whatever you want <laughs> and, and try and fail. And if it doesn't work, yeah. I think that's kind of what the part that I loved is they put a lot of trust in me. And I don't know if it was trust, but they let me do a lot of things mm-hmm. on my own and figure stuff out on my own, um, which forced me to really understand what we were doing. Cause I would, I remember reading this one article, I think it was about like. Woobox, or it was about some kind of software management platform s- similar to what we were doing. And I remember taking my CEO and I was like, oh, this sounds really cool, Like, we should do this. And he's like, well that is what we're doing, Like, that's what our platform kind of is. And I was like, "All right, I get it now. So it, it was kind of cool. Um, one of the cool things I did do was uh, I started a Twitter chat mm-hmm. at Social World. Um, it was a really cool thing, once a week, we used the hashtag chat world, and we would just talk about these you know, marketing topics. I would develop five questions around that topic, mm-hmm. Um, and I just, for the six to 12 months leading up to that, I was participating in them. Mm-hmm. So then I already had these, you know, networks of people online that knew were in that industry and would love to participate in Twitter chats. Mm-hmm. And so I started that and that became a really cool thing for us to use as uh, content that we were putting out. Cause we were able to like find out what people were wanting to learn more about. Mm-hmm. And then also Things that were lacking in in software platforms that you re, they were using for marketing, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that weren't working and were working, and then being able to talk to the dev team and talk to the other marketing team members and the CEO about stuff that we can how we can better our platform. Yeah, so that was
0: really cool. That's awesome. And um, I I know I saw you share something about the benefits of Twitter chats lately. Yeah. Um, I can't honestly say the last time I saw one happening on Twitter. Yeah. Are they still? Uh, is it so still actively do. used? It's or? interesting.
1: We. <sighs> Now that I work for a dental embraces braces company, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> now, I actually, you know, t- coming from that B2B, like really totally different um, demographic background, uh-huh. I still loved what the power of Twitter chats can do. I mean, uh-huh. I've made so many introductions and people that I've actually gotten to meet in real life at conferences and stuff. And um, we guest hosted a um, Twitter chat for Children's Dental Health Month, with um, the University of San, or is it University, uh, at San Antonio, um, they have a company called Salud America, mm-hmm. and they focus on Latino and Hispanic healthcare topics and issues, and um, they host a weekly Twitter chat called Hashtag uh, Salud so it happens every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we were actually able to guest host for Children's Dental Health Month, so we helped develop these five questions that had to do with dental health, and... Um, strategically I know that we're moving into San Antonio that's one of our new markets Ah. so I'm like this is gonna be great to be able to have you know these familiar names and organizations that I can then reach out to and be like hey this was awesome love talking to you on that Twitter chat you know can we meet up I'd love to learn more about the area and do Mm -hmm. you know we'd love to hear about some research you have about the demographics in the communities that we're moving into Mm -hmm. um so that was a really cool thing for us awesome so
0: the Twitter chats have carried over not as frequent as they were no, before. not as
1: frequent. You know, they've they've really they have died down, and maybe it's because I'm not as heavily looking for them. Yeah. There are a couple that have survived. So, uh, Sprout Chat was actually one of the first ones I mm-hmm. ever participated in. Yeah. Sarah Nagel, she used to run them. Um, she's still involved with Sprouts. The company it's it's owned by the company Sprout Social. Ironically enough, we use Sprout Social now for our social media <laughs> marketing. So a couple, like you know, here and there, I have a couple. Um, Com- uh, employees and coworkers on the marketing team that I've had them actually participate in the chat because I think yeah. it's really valuable for them to not only be able to learn from other people, but also be able to know, like, provide value themselves. Mm-hmm. My favorite part was them being involved in the Twitter chat. You know, it's just coming on right after graduating college and after a couple months working at Reese's and stuff, and they were actually able to know like some of the answers to the questions they were asking mm-hmm. and be able to provide insights. And mm-hmm. I-, I loved, I loved that. That's awesome.
0: So what other sort of campaigns or strategies have carried over? Because I know with Social World, that's definitely, you know, the B2B side and now you're in the B2C. So what, what things have you seen carry over, carry over effectively versus, you know, they've sort of gone by the wayside?
1: I think maybe the, on the, on the other side, Mm -hmm. we did a lot of Facebook advertising at Social World that was Mm -hmm. not successful. Um, I think, it's really hard to have someone instantly sign up for a free demo or click to become mm-hmm. a customer from a Facebook ad. They have to develop trust. They have to recognize the brand. Um, especially when you're not talking directly to, to he, like you know, person to person. We've started doing Facebook ads at Reese's Dental and, and some other companies that I've had done them for where it's more B2C. And they've been really, really successful. Mm-hmm. I think healthcare... Facebook and social media in general are very, very utilized by patients because mm-hmm. the number one source for patients for healthcare is referrals. And everyone loves to talk about um, who they're seeing and, yeah. and if they had a great experience, if they didn't have a good experience. So I would say Facebook's a really, really big platform for that. Mm-hmm. And um, Facebook makes it super easy to be able to target basically anything you want. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things or one of the things we utilize a lot is Facebook um, targeting by market so you know arizona versus colorado uh, versus nevada versus mm-hmm. uh, texas and then all the way down to phoenix and then denver and san antonio and uh, las vegas and tucson mm-hmm. um and making the company feel a lot more community feeling rather than like doing this big post about your company to a bunch of different markets so that have never seen your brand before yeah. and they're like oh my gosh it's just another chain company that's trying to get patients."
0: yeah and i know that uh, one of your focuses is definitely really developing those relationships, sort of what you were saying about San Antonio is like connecting with the community and then providing the value afterwards, mm-hmm. um, which makes it a lot easier for them to sort of embrace, mm-hmm. which makes sense. So as, as your day is now, how, do you, how would you sort of break up in loose percentages, if you can, um, where your priorities are? Like what, what different things are you focusing on on a day-to-day basis?
1: I think um, more generally speaking, um, not just Reese's Dental, but also like, yes, PHX and, you know, social media club. And, um, of course, they're all very different priorities, but I think there's there's major buckets. So one of them is reviews, 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> you know people are talking about you. Um, you know, most of the time people are more inept to leave a review on their own when it's negative. Unfortunately. So yes. <laughs> um but they but they are they are willing to leave the reviews positively too. You just have to make them aware of what the channels are that they can utilize. Yeah. Um so that's a heavy focus for us. Um and then I would say, you know, in-person event activation. So how are you getting out into your community and actually interacting with those potential patients and current mm-hmm. patients? To make them, you know, want to come back and see you, you know, it takes a lot more than just seeing a post on social media or, you know, a review from someone to mm-hmm. be able to make, you know, a purchasing decision or, mm-hmm. you know, a decision about what doctor you're going to see. So that's a really big thing for us is how can we get involved with the community as much as possible? Mm-hmm. Because especially when, you ha- when you're you from a company that has multiple locations everywhere, you want to be able to still have that local feel for people that are patients in each individual office or... Um, you know, customer at, you know, local pizzerias and then, uh, social media for sure. Um, I would say is the other thing is building our online and offline community and how we can connect the two.
0: Mm -hmm. And how are you connecting the two?
1: So right now, a lot of it is the pre-posting, the tagging of any other companies that are involved with what we're sponsoring or Mm what we're involved in. Um, the, the during is, you know, always fun cause you can do Facebook lives and, mm-hmm. um, you can do live tweeting and, and picture posting and putting where your location is. And, um, it's, it's even better when those other companies you're partnering with are doing it for you or they're doing yeah. it on their own channels cause that even mm-hmm. leads to more exposure. And then the after is following up with those, um, those other companies that you were working with, mm-hmm. um, You know, whatever your goal is with that event, if it was, you know, to get more appointments, you know, to get new patients, or if it was to get more email signups, or, you know, you want someone to sign up for your demo, Mm -hmm. looking at what that was, and then making sure that if you're collecting any of that information at the event, you're also following up after. Um, Mm -hmm. But we utilize social media a lot before, after, and during, just because we want people to know we have a presence. And it's interesting having, you know, right now we have 20 different dental offices, so we want each one of those to have a different feel, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, in Denver, they're not going to want to see palm trees in their pictures because, right. Yeah. Weird. (laughs) You know, they they would know that would be just kind of a generic posting that we're doing as opposed to something that we're, you know, we're at the Denver Children's Museum, you know, it actually makes them feel that we're actually getting out and engaging with that community instead of just posting Mm -hmm. a picture from our Phoenix event. You know, yeah. Denver Channel.
0: I think um, you make a really good point, which is like there's the beginning, there's you know the during, and then there's the end, and like the follow up, and how I think a lot of people maybe go too hard on like one of those and don't don't complete the picture. So how do you make sure that you are following
1: the same steps and you're hitting all those points and you're covering all of your bases? I think the main thing with any company is communication. I think with mm-hmm. each one of those before, after, and during events or anything it, you're doing online or offline, mm-hmm. you're going to have different departments doing different things. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, the beforehand people are doing your PR or your social media, and then you have people that are actually doing the activation. So you have your events team, you have your brand advocates that are actually on the floor mm-hmm. doing that. I feel like the number one thing is communication so that you guys are all on the same page mm-hmm. and making sure that every element that going is going into that event or that sponsorship is being laid out on the table and everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And they're communicating throughout the whole process so that nothing gets through the cracks.
0: And I mean, do you have an actual platform that you, like, do you use? I mean, I'm coming from the SaaS side, so I'm thinking, like, Basecamp, but I doubt you guys yeah. use Basecamp. Yeah, oh, I mean, I came from the
1: SaaS side and I was like, guys, let's use Trello, let's yeah. use Slack, let's use all this stuff. And actually, yeah, it's funny you say that. We have a bunch of things that we use for project management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we use Reich and demos and... We have our Domo, um, communication. We have GroupMe and Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, Slack is definitely my favorite. I use it with, with everything that I do with, you know, yes, PHX, mm-hmm. Dental, um, House of Genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, House of Genius is kind of cool because that's an international organization. So we're communicating with someone in, you know, in London and I'm in Phoenix and it just makes it super easy and having that app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say those are the, I would say Slack is definitely the main communication tool. So if mm-hmm. we if we're at an events and stuff, but also the phone, I mean, just texting each other pictures and updates is yeah. definitely, I would say number one. Communication is key. It no matter is. matter what it's, it is. It's one of those things that's <sighs> so cliche and everyone says communication is key and like communication, communication, communication. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a lot of times there's so little communication and that's, I think, stunts a lot of, a lot of growth.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think especially as your team gets bigger, it's this assumption that someone else will do it mm-hmm. and they're like, oh no, they have it. And then the other person's like, oh no, they also yeah. have it. And then it's like, oh, all right. And then doesn't <laughs> It's like, whoops, okay. Um... So uh, one thing that you didn't mention in terms of any of the things you guys are doing, uh, do you guys use influencers at all or do you more work on like the brand advocate relationship side?
1: It's interesting. I have grown to hate that word influencer (laughs) because I think it's so, people use it so much and I think Mm -hmm. they don't really understand sometimes like really what an influencer is. It was funny, I was listening, I was actually in a webinar this morning with um, Heather Dobson from GoDaddy, she yep. was um, partnered up with Nimble, and they were talking about influencer marketing. And one of the things she says is like, you want your influencers to have an impact on the communities that you're serving.
0: And
1: mm-hmm. that was so powerful for us, because just recently in the past year, you know, at RESA's just in general, you know, we started like looking at how we can use influencers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were being sent from our PR team, all these really big, huge following Instagram accounts and blogging accounts, you know, with millions of followers. And I'm like, I don't really know how relevant this is to us because with a million followers, how many of those people are actually in Phoenix? How many of those people are actually in Denver or in Tucson? So that was a struggle, um, being able to, provide reasoning of why we want to put any of our budget towards that. Yeah. Because it would just be a waste of money for us to be able to be shooting dollars at, you know, or you know, at, at an influencer that wasn't really talking to anyone. Yeah. Um so it's been a really big learning experience. We've had some really good experiences with these micro-influencers, yes. quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so one of the main things that I always ask for is analytics behind what their following is. You know, mm-hmm. how old are they? Um, female male uh, ratio and then location location yeah. is probably the number one because I think people get so obsessed with follower count but you know Doesn't we had one anything. influencer that had um, even 15,000 which isn't a lot but the majority of her followers were in Miami mm-hmm. I'm like okay like this isn't going to help us but then we yeah. had this one Instagram account that had like I think she had like 2,500 followers, but mm-hmm. they were all in Phoenix or Colorado. And we actually got appointments from her posts mm-hmm. talking about our... So it was like a, a no-brainer. And I think yeah. people just get so obsessed with these follower counts. It just
0: yeah
1: doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah, no. I, I um, wrote a blog post... I don't know, recently and it was really interesting to look at the the numbers like the actual statistics behind engagement like ROI on like the mega influencers so like the celebrity status and I mean it's like abysmal it's nothing and for how much you have to spend for a single post I mean I know I've seen the numbers for like Kim Kardashian and it makes my head want to explode I'm like what yeah <laughs> Um, Whereas sort of like what you said, this micro uh, influencer, the engagement and the dedication is just, um, you know, the the relationship with the following is just so much more organic and natural that it pays off.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially when you have a company like these Fit Tees and like Herbalife or whatever, you know, brands or celebrities are, you know, promoting those companies you're able to purchase that product anywhere you are. Mm -hmm. But when you have a business that is only found in, you know, 20 zip codes, Mm -hmm. like what good does that do? You can't do anything. They're not going to buy. You're not going to become a patient from New York. So it's been fun though. It's been fun to see results and how different ways that we can actually track the success of those campaigns.
0: Mm-hmm. And how are you tracking it currently?
1: So, um, a lot of the times when they will post something on a blog post or run ads, we'll create those links into UTM code. So we know exactly in our Google analytics that they're mm-hmm. coming from that post onto our website and then, you know, unique phone numbers. So we mm-hmm. make unique phone numbers for all the efforts that we're doing so that if they actually are going to call, we know that we had that placed on, you know, someone's Instagram post or blog post. Um, so then it's making sure that you're following up and listening to those calls. So you can actually show that, you know, that person is actually making an appointment or if they're just calling Mm -hmm. for pricing questions, but either way, I mean, a call to us, that means that someone's listening to what they're, yeah, that means someone's listening to that person's posts that to us, that's a win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So looking more towards the future, I mean, there is the Cambridge Analytica thing and then, you know, that's on the privacy side and then on like sort of the AI side and the ability to provide so much more context and just like do a deeper dive into a simple social media post and better understand customers. Have you guys started toying around with at least like the AI side and then has the Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica side Two questions, I know. Um, has that privacy side
1: sort of posed any issues for you guys? Well, I'll touch on the Cambridge Analytica side first, only because... So it's a little bit different from like a House of Genius or a yes, PHX. So working in healthcare, you have HIPAA. So that's like a whole other ballgame when you have yeah. to do social media. Um, so the data side is super, super important. I mean, any patient that we take a picture of, we have to have a signed consent form and we have to have it on file. Right now, I don't think you know we're big enough that there could be. I mean, there could always be an issue that someone is like, "I didn't give you permission to use my picture," and then we can mm-hmm. get in trouble. And then also talking about any patient's treatment because that's totally you know not allowed. Um, but to us, that the thing about the data for us is it doesn't really concern us since we're already so proactive about protective protective of our patients' data. Yeah. Um, I think on the on the end of the side of the patient that's maybe talking about stuff to us via Facebook messenger or Facebook posts. I mean, we get patients who ask us questions about pricing. We get patients who ask us about, um, you know, things that are going on in their mouth and their teeth and asking us dental advice and health advice through Mm -hmm. Facebook messenger. You know, there's always the risk that they think that, you know, they're watching the face or they're they're looking through the Facebook Messenger. How do you guys respond to that? There hasn't, we haven't had to, I mean, there's been we haven't had to, there's our PR, no one has ever like asked or it's,
0: it hasn't gotten far enough. Yes. It
1: hasn't gotten far enough to that point. Yeah. I think we're really lucky to have a really smart team where Mm -hmm. we would be really prepared to answer that and and be involved in that. Um, but we're not taking anything that's happening on social media and using that towards, um, like we're not we would never talk about a patient asking us a question for something. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a hairy situation is like you're not supposed to, you don't want to talk about a patient's treatment plan, but when they have a patient coming in and messaging you on Facebook and asking you medical advice, it's like, mm-hmm. it's tricky. Because then you're like, well, I have to go talk to the doctor and get the advice for that. And, mm-hmm. But luckily, no, we haven't really had to deal with anyone questioning that. I think people in general are just now more wary of Facebook as a whole, as opposed yep. to, oh my God, what's my healthcare provider doing with my data?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. Uh, one of my friends, he had the FaceTime like doctor visit oh, yeah. and was able to show the doctor what was wrong and be like, what should I do? And so, I mean, I was I was blown away. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah.
1: So going, so, in, going in that yeah. AI side... It's interesting because I think that there's a lot of really cool healthcare companies uh-huh. doing it, like, very, very cool. We don't do anything at recess. Um, some things that I'm, I'm aware of that I think would be interesting to try out and test, um, definitely the the chat, like, the live chat feature. Yeah. Um, to us, it's always just, like, we're worried about, like, you know, having the, the resources to be able to manage that happening, you uh-huh. know. Yes, it's a live chat. Yes, it's automation. But at the end of the day, you want a real doctor on the other end if they're having, mm-hmm. you know, a real question about, um, you yeah. know, a medical question. Yeah. If it's, you know, an hours question, if it's yeah. a pricing question, you know, all those we have, you know, very canned answers for. So it's a lot easier than, mm-hmm. you know, I have something that needs to get pulled. I think it's kind of like, <laughs> it's very, it's very tricky. And right now we have like a contact form on us and, and we have, um, they select, you know, what um, what area of the company they want to get in contact with? Whether mm-hmm. it's marketing, whether it's scheduling, accounts, insurance, and then it gets filtered into an inbox, and then we have someone who's monitoring that and then responding. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you mentioned is really cool, is like the the live doctor feature. Is like, hey, yeah. you know, I have, I, you know, what have whatever mean, me going on? Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Um, something I don't think we've thought about yet. I think mostly it's we're learning a lot of this stuff as we grow so fast. Is we got to start having some resources delegated to figuring out, you know, is this the best fit for us? Is Mm -hmm. it worth the effort? What are the pros and cons? Yeah. Um, But I'm, I'm all about the technology and the automation. And I think that's, it's something really cool.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like a balance between automation, but without losing like the personalization. I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the interesting things I've been seeing. Not letting, not
1: letting the person on the other end know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: People want things faster and they want it more personalized, but they don't want to be treated like a number. So it's like, but they, it was, it's like sort of this weird balance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see, you know, just seeing how the healthcare side has been going, where we are in like five, ten years with mm-hmm. just all of this. It's yeah. crazy, because especially with with AMC, we have like sort of the AI component to be able to sort of look into content and pull out um, like contextual like emotional intelligence things based on what people are sharing online. Um, And I know when I actually uh, was at House of Genius, people were like, this is terrifying. I don't like this. Can Uh I just not post? Can can you not do this? And it's like, no, this is already happening.
1: It's frustrating, too, when you work in that industry because it's like geez, like the same people that are talking about their data being stolen are the ones that are posting about FarmVille and Candy Crush and like all the (laughs) quizzes they're taking on BuzzFeed. And it's like, hello, you are literally giving those companies access to your data. You are the one that is opting in. I think that's the most frustrating part. I mean, we all watched Mark Zuckerberg on trial and, (laughs) you know, I won't get into that because I could talk all day about that. But I mean, there's so many people that have chosen not to educate themselves or, you know, just been naive to it and now Mm -hmm. are realizing like, holy crap, I really did give so much of my data away, but only because I let them take it from me. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I know. And it's, I think, uh, just, I mean, talking to people and being like a a photo that you post on Facebook, what do you think happens to it? Like, and the ones that are like, you can just delete it and it goes away. I'm like, no, it's forever. It's forever there. Yeah.
1: And if it's not on Facebook, let's say forever. I mean, someone could have saved it and they uploaded it to something else. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anything you put anywhere online,
1: it's, like, yeah. it's not safe, unfortunately. I know. I'm the, I'm the worst to talk about this because I'm the most, like, transparent person ever. Like, I don't understand private Twitter accounts. I don't understand private Instagram accounts. I just think, like, if you, if you if there's, you know, there's specific purposes for that to happen, I guess, but mm-hmm. if you're just being your true self and you're out there and you're not ashamed of what you're doing and yeah. things illegal or harmful, like, I just feel like everyone's just, you know, but you have, if you're, if people that didn't understand that all that stuff stays forever. I mean, if you're uploading stuff, you have to obviously be okay with it potentially yeah. being there forever. <laughs>
0: oh, man. Uh, yes. The things that maybe I wish I would have known, like, at the beginning of college, I feel like there was. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The- honestly, I think my biggest,
1: <laughs> love social media, obviously, but Facebook, these memories or time oh, hop oh, things, like, I don't no, want to be reminded.
0: You, no thank you. No thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to
1: be reminded of things that I was posting. You. No, it's yeah. terrible. Or like, oh my god, I can't believe I was wearing that. Or like, yeah. I did not know how to put on makeup. <laughs> I still don't, but. <laughs>
0: Amazing, so amazing. Um, so one thing we haven't had a chance to touch on is House of Genius. I know you've referenced yeah. it a couple times, but most people probably don't know what House of Genius is. So can you fill us in on what that is?
1: Absolutely. So House of Genius is an international non now officially a nonprofit status um, found in kind of startup central cities across the world. So it was started in Boulder, Colorado, <clears throat> and our Phoenix chapter started in 2014. Um, and it happened after the, the current chapter founder went to a house of genius and sat on the panel in Santa Monica, fell in love with the format, had to bring mm-hmm. it here. Um, and essentially what we do is we host monthly events for startups and small businesses or even businesses that have been around for a couple years, but struggling to accomplish something, mm-hmm. um, can have the opportunity to present an ask. And we say the word ask as in just a question or something to promote, uh, or provoke, I'm sorry. Um, feedback and questions or answers mm-hmm. around um, to a group of panelists that could be anywhere from a student in college all the way to a serial entrepreneur, investor, marketer, lawyers, and you know mm-hmm. all in between. So it provides a really awesome opportunity for you to get feedback from people that you probably wouldn't normally reach out to for feedback. And Mm -hmm. that's my favorite part. We keep it anonymous until the event. And Mm -hmm. then we ask when people are at the event to only use first name. So everyone's kind of on the same level playing field. You're not intimidated by anything. And you're not allowed to just talk about work. No. So when you give your feedback to the companies, you have to just keep it um, very un- You know, candidly not talking about anything from your experience. You can't preface it. Be like, the one
0: time I sold a company. Exactly. Or my experience teaching XYZ.
1: Yeah. Um, And then at the end, of course, we do a reveal and everyone one by one talks about what they're doing. But my favorite thing is just getting in a room with people that you wouldn't normally reach out to for feedback. I mean, most Mm -hmm. people, the best part is like when you get like the, the most thought or the most ingenious feedback that a company could get. And you hear it from, you know, a sophomore in college. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I would never have been like, hey, can you help me with this problem I'm having? And he comes up with ideas that you never even thought of. That's my favorite part. Mm -hmm. And everyone leaves the room just super jazzed. And I love hearing panelists leave the room with the motivation to start their own companies. And, and, you know, a lot of the panelists that come and listen to other companies present have an idea for a business, but they're kind of just Mm -hmm. like waiting for just like, don't really want to take the jump. And after Mm -hmm. they come out of that, a lot of them, start working on their own endeavors. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And um, I've had the fortune to help organize and then uh, be on a panel. And then most recently actually present, which is my worst nightmare. Um, Yeah. You've gotten, you've hit all three areas.
1: (laughs) That's right. So Paige actually was an organizer before I came on. And then you were a panelist, and (laughs) now you just presented AMSI. How cool is that?
0: I know, and um, it's incredible to sort of be on the side of being vulnerable and sharing and then having a group of people, because it's a small group, it's like 15 people, um, really being... You know, invested and interested and in wanting to help and give back, give mm-hmm. feedback. And um, Jeremy, our CEO, he went and was a panelist, and he loved the experience of being able to, you know, provide feedback. And so I think everyone and anyone that I've talked to or referred, they just everyone loves it. it's, yeah. it's a really, it's a unique format that you don't really get anywhere else. No.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of organizations that are doing kind of a similar format. I think the fact that we keep it you know, invite only. And we only do that just because we like to have such an intimate group.
0: Yeah. it's a small group. Yeah.
1: I I really love that. And everyone's kind of forced to talk. And my thing is like, one of my main roles is getting the companies involved. But I also, if I talk to any of the panelists, the one thing I tell them is like, if you're in that chair, like you better Mm -hmm. have one thing to say, like it's only an intimate group. So if you're not going to say anything, it's going to, you're going to stick out. Like (laughs) you're participating because you are going to be actively involved in the event. Absolutely.
0: So, On the topic of events, do you have any recommendations on things that are coming up or maybe if people are interested in, you know, organizations to check out if they do want to get involved either, you know. For
1: like Phoenix Setup scene? Yeah. Yeah, So our summer social is coming up. Um, The date is still TBD, Mm -hmm. but look out for that. That will be be announced um i would say within the next couple weeks on the sphx channel and that's not so much of a formal event that's really one of a you know one of the fun things we host that's Mm -hmm. just totally just let loose celebrate you know being in the middle of the year you know any successes any failures it's just you know drinks it's fun it's usually held at really cool venues previously it's been like at the saguaro the deuce um downtown um but that's one of the big things. We have We have events like that twice a year. We have our summer social and our winter social. And those are always really fun. And it's mm-hmm. a really great way to come out, you know, come by yourself and meet people. If I see you by yourself, I know, I'll for you from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of events that happen normally, like setup a grind events, you know, happen once yeah. a month. And um, those are really cool panels. Um, but I think I would just recommend you to check out the sphx.com website because um, mm-hmm. we have, and the Startup Digest. Um, events calendar yes we have we post regularly there's um we also shout out individual people organizations to link up with and, and look out for those events but we post pretty regularly so i would recommend going there signing up for our email newslet- newsletter newsletter uh, and going from there so awesome we will be updated yeah
0: so uh if anyone wants to get a hold of you caitlin for either stuff for risa so if you need to get your teeth done um or yes. startup stuff or house of genius stuff or teeth, all the things clean how braces. can they do that
1: um, so uh, if you want to get a hold of me for Risa's, my email is cwatersatrisas.com, and that's R-I-S-A-S dot com. Um, my Twitter handle is at Kate Waters, so She's C-A-I. She's incredibly active. I, Twitter is my favorite Be wary, social media. Be wary if you yeah. follow her. Uh, at C-A-I-T <laughs> underscore waters, and then that's the same in my Instagram. Uh, Facebook's a little bit more uh, pick and choosy, so I would just yeah. say hit me up on Twitter or <laughs> email. And then my personal email, I'm sure you'll link it, but it's uh, yeah. gmail.com fabulous
0: well caitlin thank you so much for coming in it was a pleasure having you
1: yes thank you so much it was so fun
0: absolutely all right well thank you everyone for listening until next time